All right, welcome back to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, Denver Desert Dog, uh, talking NFC West tonight. And who am I talking with? None other than the Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum. How's it going, Ed? Going good until we decided on the NFC West. Not as jacked up as I was last time, I don't think. Yeah, this is... Um, like fantasy heaven to fantasy hell. Yeah, less exciting than the <laughs> NFC South, but... Um, I think we'll find that there's some players we're interested in. I mean, the Seahawks have good players. I think there may be some sneaky value in San Francisco with the addition of Kyle Shanahan. Um, Arizona. Arizona has the best player in fantasy football on their team. And then we have the Rams. <laughs> Don't really have a whole lot to say about the Rams. New coach in town there, too. They're just um, kind of out. Yeah. So... Let's start right off with the best team in the division, uh, Seattle Seahawks. General overview on the Seahawks. Um, new running back in town, Eddie Lacy. What do you What do you think about Eddie Lacy this year? I'm not sure what to think. I read up, and we've talked a lot about his weight loss goals and how they've incentivized him pretty handsomely with some money. I've heard a lot about that this year. Um, been a lot of talkers, a lot of guys. I guess that's a more popular thing than I than I knew it to be. I mean, I knew it was here and there around the league, but I guess it's kind of a popular thing. The, um, the Eagles did it with Blunt, too. I did not know that one, though. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think he was supposed to have one here in the last couple of weeks, so I didn't see if he did it or not. Um, I'm sure he did it. I'm, I'm sure we would have heard it more if he didn't than if he did. You're probably right. <laughs> Eddie's, Eddie Lacy's weight is topic number one whenever he comes up. Yeah, I think if he keeps hitting those weight loss goals, I think he can be effective. I mean, they haven't done anything to shore up the offensive line, though, so that's still a concern. But I think that's why they got him, because they're like, we need a big-body guy that can break tackles because we're not going to get you four yards before you're touched. We need a guy that can find four yards himself and maybe bust it for eight or nine. Um I think they still think he has that potential. I kind of do as well. I think if he gets the weight down, his ankles are going to be a heck of a lot better probably. Um, if he stays healthy, I think he is interesting. That was the point I definitely wanted to bring up, and you hit it. Um, offensive line's been bad ever since they traded Max Unger for Jimmy Graham. It's been a big difference. Um, when Unger was there, Thomas Rawls was... I think a league leader in yards per carry was not the case last year. Um, I think the combo of Lacey and Procise is very interesting. I think Procise is a guy that doesn't necessarily need an effective offensive line. He has that big play, uh, make people miss ability that he has. And Lacey, it, it just it's going to be need. We're going to need to see what the workload's like. I don't know if he's going to get a full 200 carries. I think he kind of needs... That was the one thing in Green Bay. The volume was absurd. So, and he did do a little bit in the passing game. I'm not expecting much of that here in Seattle to be a part of the passing game. Uh, Ross always seems to be a down-the-field type of passer. So, with that being said, I want to move right over to Doug Baldwin as well. Seems to be a trendy uh, late round two wide receiver. Where do you stand on Dougie Doug? Real quick before I fully jump over, they didn't draft an offensive lineman until round six. Like, why do they continue to neglect it? I don't know. Maybe they just believe in Russ's athleticism. They don't feel like they have to. Anyway, um, Dougie Doug is a guy that I love to hate. I feel like every year. When we do the draft recap, I'm always like, hey, he's not a guy I can get excited about. I think last year he kind of took a step to turning me into a little bit of a believer. I think the targets have probably gone up in a, in a place where I didn't think they'd get for him. Um, I always felt like he wasn't a number one, and I think he's starting to show that he is. He's just a little bit of a different type of number one uh, than the A.J. Green's, Julio Jones type guys. I love, he's more of, I mean, no one's A-B in my eyes, but he's more of that, that type of guy. Um, so I think as long as the targets stay up, he's going to be effective, and I'm, I'm in on him, I think. 
I don't see any reason to believe that the targets wouldn't stay up with him. Um, I want to see where we have him pegged for targets. Uh, we got him with 152. It's close to the top of the league. Um, and I think that's a good number. He also has a pretty high catch percentage with that, with those targets. So definitely like Doug Baldwin. I think the reason why it's taken people this long to come around on Doug Baldwin is his first couple years in the league, they were still a very Marshawn Lynch focused team and he was not very good. Um, Russ was still kind of finding his way as a, as a thrower and I think Wilson has become that type of quarterback and Baldwin's the clear number one in that offense. So they seem to have great chemistry. Definitely like Doug Baldwin a lot this year. I could see, um, you know, pairing him up with one of those top three running backs if you're able to get Baldwin at the end of round two. That's definitely a great start to your draft. Other guy we want to talk about um, real quick before we dig into this team, Jimmy Graham. Saw a little bit of a resurgence last year, finally healthy with Seattle. I see no reason why that won't continue. Um, he's probably not a guy I'm targeting in drafts. He kind of falls into that middle quarterback tier we talked about with the NFC South. He's like the middle tier of tight ends, and usually I'm in on the first couple guys, and then... I'm more waiting for the Hunter Henry, Jack Doyle camp. Um, Graham's right in the middle. His price isn't really what I would necessarily be interested in because that's usually when I'm trying to pound running back and receiver depth. But where do you stand on Jimmy Graham? Um, I think he's another guy that took a step forward last year. He got up to 95 targets last year. Only had 74 the year before, but only played 11 games. So I don't really know the... Um, yeah, his receptions per game were actually down. He had 4.4 in those 11 games, only 4.1 last year. So, I mean, he's still not getting a huge workload. So I'm not, like you said, I'm not in on that second tier. To me, you either go early, which I don't like either, even though even though we've tried it in a couple of NFLs just to see what happens. Um, I'm more in... I'm more in on waiting on tight end because I think you can get the value later. Uh, he falls into that tier where I'm in the stay away zone. Yeah, I agree. Uh, big play potentials there with him. Like I said, as as all the players in the receiving game, um, Russell Wilson being able to create time for these guys to get open seems to be just what works with them. So you, you kind of have to respect that about Russ's game and then that gives these guys more time to get open. I think Jimmy Graham's pretty good at that. So, moving forward, who's the player you like most in Seattle? Mm. I really like Doug, but I'm going to go ahead and say that it's Russell Wilson because I like that. I like that tier of quarterbacks that he falls into. And I, I like getting him where you can get him. You have the ADP up. Do you have him pulled up? Uh, that's what I'm going to grab right now. Yeah, I just I think I like where you can get. Him. Um, I'm fine with Doug Baldwin and where he's going. I, I would take him there. Um, if the cards fell that way, but I think I really like Ross. I really like what he's going to do. I think he's kind of fallen under the radar a bit because he had what looked like a down year last year playing hurt all year I think that took away from his numbers and some of the guys outside the pocket that makes him so successful so I think you know if the health stays his way I think he's going to outperform where he's going so Russ right now is, uh, ADP is 78th so round 7 does that tell you what quarterback number he's going as um doesn't Still kind of learning how to navigate this site a little bit here. Yeah, I threw, you, threw the gun out you there. That's all right. Um, Fantasy Pros says quarterback number six. Quarterbacks. Yeah, it's got him eighth on here. Yeah, I'd take that. No, sorry, fifth. Oof. 
fifth. Rodgers, Brady, Luck, Breeze, Wilson. But I, I think that's fair. I think that's where you should go. Yeah, I just thought he was lower than that, which made me like him more. Definitely. Still, Still like round him. seven. I'd be happy with round seven for him at quarterback position. Gives you time to get two running backs, three receivers, and a tight end to really build around Wilson. Uh, we like Wilson a lot. We have him as our fourth running back, our fourth quarterback right now in the rankings. Definitely gets a boost with the rushing yards. Hopefully that remains a part of his game because I think even though the yards and the yards per attempt are big for him, um, even the touchdowns as well, that rushing really is what boosts him ahead of some of the guys that Matt Ryan's, the Drew Breeses, the guys that are kind of the pass specialists in that first-tier quarterbacks. Yeah, and last year, his, like I said, the health killed him. I mean, in his first two years, 94 and 96 attempts, so very close to 100. At 118, 103, so he took a big dip to 72. I mean, I think that's what really killed his value. Um, only one rushing touchdown, 259 yards, by far lowest yardage output. So I think that's what that's what hampered him was that ankle he played with all year. Yeah, I, and I think he's only. I think he'll be healthy this year. I don't see any reason to believe what he won't. Um, I think we'll know pretty early. We kind of knew he was banged up last year heading into the season, so I think we'll know if it's the case this year. And I would agree. He's my he's my favorite uh, Seahawk that I would like to own. And Doug Baldwin's a close second, right behind him. Who's the player you like least in Seattle this year? Doesn't it have to be Thomas Rawls? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I want no part of Rawls unless it's a lacy handcuff. But even then, I think I'm looking at Procise. Just with the offensive line concerns, like we said, I don't think that's necessarily Thomas Rawls' game. I don't think they go out and get a player like Lacey if they feel good about Rawls because Lacey has his own risks. I'd agree. All right. It just sucks because it felt like he it just felt like he had what what it took that you know two years ago going to the the playoff run of the fantasy season and then all of a sudden what was it first or second drive broke his leg or whatever it was and it just seemed like everything got taken away from him man he was he was electric leading up to that it just felt like he had it all going for him yeah. and now this just you keep you don't want any part of him. You kept him as you kept him last year in our league, and uh, I didn't see anything wrong with keeping him. I thought he was still in a good situation, and just didn't pan out. And he wasn't healthy last year either. Um, no. He was in and out of the lineup, but we saw enough of CJ Procise to be excited about him. And then, like you said, they brought Lacey in for a reason. So, Ra- and you're right. The price point I had him at, I think, was three bucks. Yeah. There was there was absolutely nothing wrong with keeping him. Where I went wrong was that overvalued him uh, in in the draft. You know, I kept thinking, oh, I got rolls, I got rolls. I shouldn't have valued him where I did. I was thinking RB two, and shouldn't have should have been thinking borderline flex and built my team differently. That's what that's where keeping him killed me. It wasn't the fact that I kept him for price. It was what I did around him. Yeah. Even at three dollars last year, I mean that, that there's no risk in that. So, but you still have to build your team almost as if he's not on your team. So, nice little tidbit there on how to handle that those types of situations. Who has the most breakout potential in Seattle this year? Hmm. I'm not gonna pick your boy. Come on, man. I'm gonna let you pick him. I'm gonna go with Curse. I'll stop. He's a big body guy, man. I He's like not him. good. It's got to be Tyler Lockett here. Um, <laughs> another guy that wasn't really healthy last year. Big play guy. I said it again. You know, I've talked about nothing but big play, big plays in the Seattle offense. But it's if you watch them, it's what they do. Um, they they take home run threats that our home run attempts and you know that they seem to nail them and there's no player with 
bigger potential, bigger big play potential than Tyler Lockett. I I'm still in on him. I, I still think he's I still think he's a thing. So we'll see. We will see. I think there I think there's definitely a path to him being a wide receiver too this year, getting into that top twenty five. Finally, who's the fantasy MVP on the Seattle Seahawks? Tough question. Yeah, this is where I'll go Baldwin, I guess. Just because I think that the other guy's numbers aren't going to come unless he has the season that we need him to have at his ADP. I think if he has a letdown season, it's going to directly impact Russ's season. Um, and it's obviously going to affect all the other receivers because he's the one. So I think it, I think Baldwin has to be the I agree. I think we could be talking about Doug Baldwin as a late first rounder next year, potentially. Um, you know, we project Russell Wilson for 28 passing touchdowns right now. They have to go somewhere. I could see Baldwin getting 10, 11 of those. I uh, don't know what number we have him at right now. We have him at eight or nine receiving touchdowns. So I, I, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he's a double-digit touchdown guy. I think you get AJ Green type production around and a half later. So I definitely agree that Doug Baldwin's gonna give you the best bang for your buck in uh, in Seattle. All right, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. Carson Palmer. Um, where do you stand on this guy? I'm not excited about Carson Palmer. Total stay away from me this year. Have no interest in him at all. Is he someone that you would be okay with adding to your team? No, I don't think. I don't think I've ever in his career been excited about Carson Palmer. His best seasons, I think, have always come as surprises. I don't think he's ever been a guy that you took and thought you were getting him as your QB1, and he did that. Um, I feel like last year was kind of the year where he took a jump in drafts and was supposed to be that guy, and it was a huge letdown. Um, And that followed the surprise season of two years ago. So I think if you take a shot on him late... And you hit good on you, but I'm not doing it. I agree. Carson Palmer, 37 years old. Um, He'll be 38 by the end of the season. I can't see him staying healthy for the whole year, and that really scares me. The, The wide receivers that we were excited about in Arizona, Michael Floyd's gone. He's got his own issues to deal with. Uh, tight ends, Jermaine Gresham, not a lot to be excited about there. And John Brown showed us all some valid concerns about John Brown and his game. So the guys that we thought had this deep wide receiver in core, it's really Larry Fitzgerald that we're excited about now. Um, and as much as we all love Larry as a as an NFL player, you have to wonder how long he's going to be able to do this for too. So it just turns into so many risks with Carson Palmer that I'm not even comfortable making him a quarterback two on on an MFL team, in my opinion. Um, So total stay away from me there. Uh, David Johnson, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention him in the overview for the Cardinals. Number one uh, fantasy player last year at his position. Um, Top running back this year in drafts. Any concerns over the workload that this that this man sees in the Arizona offense? Um, I don't know. He it showed up late last year and he got rolled up on in a weird situation. Um, I don't know. I, I just get I get like in the back of my mind if I'm so concerned about Palmer, at what point do I allow that to start to concern me about David Johnson? I mean, I, I guess. I guess we were willing to ride AP all those years when he didn't have an offense around him, but you got burned on that at times, I think. And I don't know. I just want guys that are part of good offenses. Like I've, I've 
debated with you and talked with you about whether or not I think he's the number one guy this year. And I think it's risky. I mean, I know the workload's going to be there, but at what point do, guys, do teams realize that if they, if they do everything they can to stop him, the offense doesn't go? So, gun to your head, we haven't had this situation yet in MFL 10, but we have pick 1-1. One, one. Do you take him, or are you really trying to talk me into someone else? I'd really be trying to talk you into the other two backs. I know that we're starting to get concerned about the whole Zeke thing. They're seeing a lot of weird things surfacing, but I've said from day one of us starting to do these MFLs, we've been at it for probably getting close to a month Yeah. since we started our first MFL. Um, and I've said from the jump that I think, to me, Zeke's the guy that I would take above DJ. I just want the guy in the better offense. And I have no problems with that. Um, I just, I can't see a path to David Johnson not getting 14 total touchdowns this year. Unless it's injury. If he plays 16 games, they have to score points. And, I mean, I could see a path to, to, to Zeke not having 10. could see a path to Bell not having 10. I, I can't see a path to Johnson like not having at least 12 to 14 touchdowns. I don't know. But, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I just think, I don't know. Similar workloads between those two guys, I think, Zeke and DJ. Yep. I just think that one of them, being Zeke, is going to be more effective with his workload. I I, I can't say I disagree with you on that. They all have their own risks. Um, and because of that, I think you just go with the guy that's going to get in the end zone. I mean, touchdowns are six points. <laughs> it's, the, it's the fastest way to score points in fantasy is to find your way in the end zone and in David Johnson's two years, even year one, when he wasn't the full-time running back until week 10 or 11, I think he scored six touchdowns or so in different ways, passing game, kick return game, rushing. Um, obviously, the kick return game isn't there anymore, but it just further proves his ability to make plays and find the end zone. So still a lot to be excited about David Johnson. I think he is the number one player in drafts heading into it, but I can see, I can understand your concerns there. Um, all right, so we talked a little bit about the receiving core real quick. Um, Fitzgerald, how safe is he to be a wide receiver in the top 24 wide receivers this year? I think that's pretty safe. Yeah, I mean, he just always does it. And I mean... I think he's going to continue to do it. He's He gets a lot of targets. I think he's just he's a safe PPR guy. He's going to get a lot of catches every week because he has to. Like you said, they, I mean, they're going to throw it. They're going to throw it to someone. He's kind of the only guy in town, in my eyes. I don't believe in John Brown, and I'm not sure that they do either. The thing that's going to maybe keep him out of the top 25 would be touchdowns, I guess. Um just don't he's never seemed to been the big touchdown guy lately we'll see what he does this year but I think that's the only way he doesn't fall into that is if some of these guys have big touchdown seasons and he's hovering around the five six range so I see right now we have him as our 29th wide receiver preseason ranks but there's some guys ahead of him that I would definitely probably put him ahead of so we'll definitely revisit that and see where he, where he comes through after we revise our rankings. All right, who's the player you like most in Arizona? I guess it's got to be DJ, right? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Player you like the least? Carson Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Carson Palmer or John Brown. Okay. I'd like to, I'd like to go back and look at John Brown's game logs because I think, I don't know. I I, st- I still feel the same way I felt feel about Tyler Lockett. I feel the same way about John Brown. But again, I have so many doubts about Carson Palmer that I ask myself, how can I like John Brown then? So yeah, I mean, he only got seventy three targets last year. 
He missed he missed upwards of three, four, five games though. Then he played in fifteen games. He only started six. Okay. Seventy three targets, fifty three catch percentage. I feel like one or two of those games he like ran five routes and didn't really play, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, you might be right. I did own him last year, so even with only thirty nine catches, his yards per reception is thirteen point three, so I mean I don't know. The thing that killed him last year is he had five touchdowns, seven touchdowns last year. He dipped down to two because he's just, I mean, just wasn't that home run guy. No. It wasn't wasn't doing that last year. So if John Brown's the player you like least, can I guess that J.J. Nelson's your breakout potential guy? Yes, sir. He had one more target than John Brown last year. Cast percentage was 45, terrible. Uh, but he had six touchdowns, and his yards per reception were 16.7. Yeah, he's got a little Deshaun Jackson in him. It came to that point where it started to feel like J.J. Nelson became the the deep threat guy that John Brown was the year before. Uh, whether that was health-related with John Brown, but, I mean, I think J.J. Nelson can fly, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he finds himself in that role and has a couple big ones. It's always been a piece of the Bruce Arians offense, that burner. Yeah. So if that's his route to fantasy success, I could see some weeks where you plug him in there and your flex and in a good matchup and hope it turns out, but you're going to miss just as much as you hit. Um, maybe another guy that is more of a best ball player. Hope you get the three for 120 and a score or something like that. I would agree. Breakout potential. The other name I I just want you to briefly talk about, because if I'm being honest, I just don't know enough about, but you like TJ Logan. I do. I just think he's a versatile guy. He's another guy that can fly. Um, Lightning quick. Some have said he's the fastest guy. I don't know what his 40 time was and stuff, but he's just football fast. Um, He can kind of do it all. I think that he's going to kind of be what David Johnson was before he took the job. Uh, They're going to find ways to try and get him involved. I think he's going to be involved in the return game. I think he's going to be that guy. I think they're going to find ways to get his his hands on the ball out in space. I think they're going to have to. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he lines up in the slot and tries to do some things out there as well because I think he can do that. Um, He's not a big guy, but... I think he's versatile. I think he's effective when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, did some good things at UNC, so I'm excited about him. It's just the fact that he's behind the guy that's going to have probably the biggest workload in the in the running backs stables for fantasy football. So, I mean, you wonder how much is he going to get, but he certainly could be electric. I think you made a good point about them finding a way to get him the ball if he really is what we're hearing he might be. Arians is a progressive offensive mind. He'll find different ways to get playmakers the ball in space. So if if you're right about TJ Logan and what we're hearing from scouting reports, um, I can definitely see an avenue to some fantasy production for him. Last question related to Johnson and TJ Logan would be, if you're the David Johnson owner, is it like imperative for you to get TJ Logan as a handcuff to protect your top asset or kind of a wasted pick because I don't know if he would have the same workload if he were the guy with other with other uh, running backs in town? That's a good question. I don't... I don't think there are a lot of running backs in town. To me, I think it's, I think it's TJ Logan. I think he's going to be the guy that comes out from it. I don't know if, I don't know if Ellington even stays on the team. Yeah. So you also have Kerwin Williams, but I think we know he's not necessarily something special, and Logan, Logan could be something special. So. Just curious. I, I'm having a hard time as I'm doing my draft prep finding a ton of handcuffs that are like slam dunk handcuffs. I've always been one in the draft to subscribe to the fact that you should get as many 
starting running backs as you can um, and then kind of go from there as far as handcuffs. I don't feel like it's important to leave the draft with a handcuff. I think it's more important to add handcuffs as you see your team evolve and see who becomes so important to your team. So I think he's a guy I would keep my eye on if I owned David Johnson throughout the year and I wouldn't let anyone else get him. Um, but I don't think it's important you leave draft day with TJ Logan on your roster. Yeah, I would agree. I think the days of handcuffing are really tough to, to stand by, even though I wrote an article about it in our short-lived website. <laughs> but that was a that was a crazy year. That was the year that it felt like every running back that took the field was going down. Yes. Um, but there's just so many teams that are just building stables of running backs. I mean, the Saints are doing it. Like, everyone, everyone's got, like, multiple guys with multiple skill sets, it's not it's not a one and a clear cut two anymore, um, and I think we saw that. I mean, look at what happened to Tampa Bay last year. Doug Martin went down, and it was like every other week it was a different guy you could pick up and slot in there, but it wasn't a clear cut handcuff. Um, I just think it's it's hard. It's you're right. I didn't say that it is almost wasted picks. Um, fantasy MVP. Who do you got? I mean, it has to be David Johnson. I'm going to go Fitzgerald. I think right now he's going around 5, 51. Um, I just think at that point, we haven't really been targeting him in MFL 10s because we've been in that range, I think, looking for some bigger bigger potential guys. And I don't think Fitz's ceiling is this high at his stage in his career, but... In a season-long format, grabbing Larry Fitzgerald in round five definitely gives you some stability to maybe ensure like a Sammy Watkins pick or something like that. So I think that return on investment uh, will be still pretty good. All right, let's finish up Arizona. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams. (laughs) New coach in town. That's about where we take a turn in the division. <laughs> yeah. New coach in town. I think there's a little to be excited about. The, um, I think his name's Sean McVay. He kind of was the mastermind behind the Washington Redskins offense the last couple years. Young guy. I think a lot to be excited about with him. The problem is the players that he's coaching don't give you a lot to be excited about. Todd Gurley. Can he... Can he return top 10 running back value? 10-wise, yes. On this football team, I don't think he can. We have him as our number 7 running back right now. Um, most of that is the fact that we have him getting 288 carries because who else are they going to give the ball to? Um, so even if he has sub four yards per rush like we have him projected for at 3.9 with that workload that's still an 1100 yard season so I think the big thing with Gurley we know the the carries are going to be there how many times can he get in the end zone he's another guy with a knack for the end zone but this team just never seems to be in the red zone so there's that it feels like he's going to have to have a home run to get there. It really does. And I don't think he had one carry over 20 yards last season. Yeah, that, that was dried up quickly. Because that was, I mean, he was killing people with big, big plays the rookie season last year. That dried up in a hurry. And I think it's just because they stacked the box. And they just said, these teams that are this bad offensively, it's just, you know... Defensive coordinators are going to say, well, Todd Gurley's not beating us this week. Find a way to beat us with Tavon Austin. And, you know, they'll laugh their way to a W as you try to do that. The one thing that I think we saw last year from Todd Gurley as the season progressed, though, was a willingness for the Rams to include him in the passing game. And that was maybe their way around the fact that he was seeing eight-man fronts and still try to get him the ball. The production wasn't outstanding, but you have to be excited about that that willingness to include him in the passing game, though. Yeah, I mean, they have to. He's the only guy that's effective with the ball in his hands. you got to find ways to get it, though. 
Now, with that being said, they added Lance Dunbar to the team, passing specialist out of the backfield. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Lance Dunbar, so I'll get right over to the wide receivers. Robert Woods gets added to this Rams uh, passing game. Any interest in Robert Woods this year? Um, not really. I just, I just need to see something from golf before I can buy into any of the receivers. I mean, I, Robert Woods had some good production at times in, in Buffalo, but I don't know. I just don't think this offense is going to go anywhere, so it's hard. I just see a lot of weeks where you get one or two catches for 12, 18, 20 yards and not much more. And, I mean, he could put some good weeks up, but it's it's he's just going to be a tough guy to put in there, even in a flex spot for me week after week. Let's talk about Jared Goff, um, second-year quarterback for the Rams. Like I said, new coach in town. What would you deem a successful season for Jared Goff this year? Like, what would make you feel like, okay, maybe he's not as bad as I thought he he was? Because I think we all right now think he's pretty bad. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I feel like if he could find a way to win six games, <laughs> like, that would be successful um, for this team. I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't really know what he'd have to do to impress me. I think... From a football standpoint, not necessarily a fantasy standpoint, because I don't have any pieces of him in fantasy. No, not yet. I think I think he needs to find a way to try and be a game manager and not turn the ball over. Um, I think if he can throw like less than 15 picks, they can find themselves in some games. So I think that's probably the one thing I'll watch more than more than his yards production, more touchdowns and things like that. Um, I'll be watching to see if he can read NFL defenses and, and make the right decision with the ball. Um, and he seems like a guy that eats a lot of sacks to me, too, because it just seemed like he really struggled with the pace of the game. Yes. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not looking at him for anything number-wise. Those are the two things I would watch just to see if he – it seems like he's progressing to be an NFL court. I would agree. The thing that I think would make me start to look at him a little closer, say, next year would be – is if he's able to play a full 16 because he wasn't this coach's guy. Um, so if this coach is able to do something with him and feel comfortable enough to have him out there for 16 games, play the full 16, and just get a better feel for being in the NFL, then I maybe would start taking a look at him if they were able to add some weapons around him. But regardless of what he does as a player, the issues are are the people that surround him offensively. That's that's the main issue here with this team. Got guys like Robert Woods and Tavon Austin who just low low catch percentage guys, small guys. It just it doesn't seem like this team all fits together. So, uh, who's the player you like most in the in uh, Los Angeles? It has to be Gurley, right? By default. Yes. Uh, player you like least? <sighs> it's got to be Tavon Austin. There's nothing to like about him. Yeah, but when... <laughs> and I hate this about fantasy football. <laughs> I hate the saying, someone has to catch the ball. I hate it. Everyone tried it last year with Corey Smith in San Francisco. And like that was the talk. Like, yeah, you can take him in the right spot because someone has to catch the ball. No, someone doesn't have to catch the ball. If the balls aren't catchable, they're not being caught. So I just hate that saying. I mean, we we gave him an astronomical amount of targets, in my opinion. We have him at 136 targets. Yeah, I just looked at that number, too, and I'm like, that's not a thing. We have to change that. I It is a, I, it is a thing, though, because you can say... I can say that it's idiotic to say that someone has to catch the ball. But, but someone, someone has to catch the ball. But the quarterback sure as hell has to throw it at someone. Yeah. So that's where I get that's where the targets come from, I think, because golf's gonna throw it at someone and he's gonna get credited for a target whether it's anywhere near him or not. <laughs> but to think that he has fantasy value because he someone has to catch the ball 
is is stupid in my opinion. You also have to do something with it when you catch the ball, and I think he, for all his shiftiness and make people miss ability, he hasn't really shown that on a week to week basis. He's going to help someone win a couple thousand dollars one week in Fanduel when they run him out in their lineup and he hits, but he's like going to be under 10 points 90, 90% of the time. I just can't, I can't live with a guy like that. I can't do it. Is there a player, like, obviously we both don't like Jared Goff either, but is there another player? I don't like Robert Woods either. I don't like anything about this passing game except maybe Tyler Higby as a tight end two on an MFL 10. Yeah, and know. that's that's the, the hard to get excited about. Yeah. All right, who has the most breakout potential? I I guess we'll stay right where we're at and just say that it's Higby because I feel like a young quarterback should rely on his tight ends. I mean, they got the safest routes. They're the closest to you. All else fails. Yeah. Get, go to the big body tight end. So I think we could see some of that from golf. I mean, his targets could go more than what we have him at. Five and a half a game for 88 on the season. Um, who knows? I want to watch a little bit about Cooper Cup. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um He's just had mega production in college, even though I think he was a Division Two or D1 AA guy. Um, I just feel like this team has to hit on a receiver at some point. They can't just continuously have these guys that can't play. So I'm willing to keep an eye on this guy to see if there's something there with Cooper Cup, I guess. That's who I'd give breakout potential to. I don't know. There, that's my only logic behind that. I have I don't know enough about him to even say why that is, except that his numbers were really good in college. Yeah. And fantasy MVP for the Rams. <laughs> no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's as much as I like Gurley, and I'm going to keep him for nineteen dollars in our in our league. Um, I feel like if I get $19 worth of production out of him, I'm thrilled. I'm not expecting to double down on that value and really hit a home run there with that. Um, I'm going to do what you should have done last year. You said with Rawls, I'm going to assume Gurley's my flex one and I'm going to build around it. At If he's my RB2 and I hammer some wide receivers that I really love, I'm good with that. But I'm not counting on him as as a first-round pick, for example, on my team. I'm, I'm looking to add two players that I think can be better than Todd Gurley to my team, at least. Side note, just because I was curious about Cooper Cup and brought him up, I just did a little quick research, put up an article or two. Of course you're going to hear nothing but great news. No, no rookie is going to get dogged at this point. Uh, but apparently him and Golf threw at a pre-draft workout and really clicked. Golf loved him and walked away hoping he'd be on the team, and here he is. So uh, a Rams source said he could lead the Rams in receptions this year and wouldn't be surprised if it happened. So apparently that it could be a thing. You got a size on him? What that means in terms of value for your fantasy team, I don't know. But He's not draftable right now, unless it's like last pick, just throwing something at the wall. He is six foot two. Wait. That's all it says. Oh. Two oh four. Six foot two, two oh four. Decent size. Ran a four six shuttle, so he's a possession receiver. That's what they need. They don't mm-hmm. need. They don't need any more of these blurs that can't that with, don't have hands because their yeah. hands are moving so fast, pumping their arms. They need someone with some sustainability. Yeah, so that maybe sticks with your tight end theory, but as a slot receiver, for example. All right, that's enough on the Rams. Before I gag, <laughs> we have one more team that we have to talk about tonight, so I want to be able to finish that. 
This isn't much better, though. San Francisco 49ers. <sighs> I guess we should start with Carlos Hyde. Is is he the guy there? Is he not the guy? A lot of reports about Kyle Shanahan loving the draft. They drafted Joe Williams. They also brought in Tim Hightower, who was outstanding with the Saints last year. Um, go ahead. Just what do you think? I I don't think you know. I don't know. So I have no idea where to go with Carlos Hyde. So this is one. This is a handcuff situation. If you grab Hyde, you leave the draft with Williams. Yeah, I think you don't play either one of them until week three when you figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't think Hightower is necessarily in on this right now, pending an injury. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the outlook for Hyde is. I just my immediate response has been just to stay away from it. Uh, we haven't touched him in a draft yet. I don't even think we've really had a discussion about him other than like Hyde's still there. Yeah, and like we just kind of veer away from it because um, we don't know. I'm going to check Carlos Hyde's ADP. Um, while I'm doing that, I want to ask you about Brian Hoyer and Pierre Garçon. So the last time we saw Brian Hoyer as a surefire starting quarterback in fantasy football, it was two years ago, and he threw to DeAndre Hopkins 343 times in one season, and Hopkins then became a first-round pick. Um does he have the ability to lock in on Garcon like that and really give Garcon, I don't want to say similar value, but worthwhile value? Uh, I think so. I've come around on this. The first time we discussed Garcon, I thought it was laughable that you you, you said you liked him in the in the round that we were at. I think it was like I think he went like the sixth round or something, and I said there's no way. And then I started to think about it and look at some stuff and think about the fact that Shanahan's there. And I went back and looked at his numbers under Shanahan, and he was kind of a focal point under Shanahan as well. So the fact that, you know, you bring up the fact that Hoyer could lock on to a guy, and it seems like Shanahan has locked on to Garcon before, um, I feel like there's there's probably no doubt that Shanahan saw him as a target and wanted to get him there with, with his ability to make plays in his offense. So... I mean, I think there's some sneaky value to him. ADP is starting to rise, though, so it's not becoming as sneaky. I think he's going to creep into the area where I don't want him. Uh, but I'm okay with getting some shares of him now while I can. All right, so Carlos Hyde's ADP 46. So inside round four, at the end of round four. Joe Williams isn't going till 145 100 picks later so again i'll say it if you feel like you need or so inclined to go grab carlos hyde in the fourth round go ahead and get joe williams in round 12 or 11 or 13 whenever he's available if you take hyde you must leave with joe williams has to happen no no ifs ands or buts about it so Someone even took Carlos Hyde 22nd overall. So, end of round two. Good on you, buddy. Whoever you are out there somewhere. Um, Vance McDonald, you want this? I'll just open the floor up for you. Go ahead and talk to us about Vance because there's no bigger Vance truther than Eddie Mitchum. I don't know why I'm not allowed to like people. I it's it's not that you're not allowed to like him. I just don't know anyone that's really high on Vance McDonald, and I think you are. And I want I want you to tell us why. I want it on the record, so when you're right, we can come back to this, and you can you know beat your chest a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, I like him. I think he's an athletic tight end. I think he has lacked the opportunity 
to get on the field and show what he can do. And the more I try to read on him and try to figure out if this coach and staff is going to give him that shot, I'm not sure that they're going to. Um, I don't know. The other thing Brian Hoyer did in his career was beat up the tight end in Cleveland. I completely forgot his name. Gary Barnage. Yeah, put him, put him on the fantasy map. So when, when Hoyer was first landed in San Francisco, one of the first things I said to you was it's, it's go time for Vance because I thought that he would just get astronomical targets with Hoyer because it seems like he's another guy that loves the tight end because uh, I still don't think Gary Barnage is great. I think he found himself in a good position and got great production with a ton of targets on a team that didn't have a lot of options. And I thought that all shaped up well for Vance McDonald, but I'm not so sure the coaching staff's going to give him that opportunity. I think if they do, he can take it and run with it. So he is a guy that I'm okay with stacking up as, you know, that, that one of the last tight ends you're grabbing in these MFL best ball leagues. Um, but I think until we see if he's going to be the guy or not, it's going to be tough to really put a value on him. Fair enough. I think you did refer to him once in one of our conversations as a matchup nightmare, though. He's an athletic dude. I, I mean, he, there's that, that's kind of what the tight end position is now, though. Yeah. Have a good one or a decent one. Like a lot of these guys are just athletic freaks. Yeah, the and Heath Millers of the world don't exist anymore. Not really, but. Funny, funny enough, I was listening to the Fantasy Channel the other day for the Steelers breakdown that you brought up Heath Miller, and they were talking about how Jesse James can't be the guy, this, that, and the other thing. And I was just scratching my head as a Steelers fan, going, "Did you watch? Did you watch like what they wanted a tight end all those years with Heath Miller? Like that is Jesse James. Yeah, they they want a block first guy, but I mean, you're right; those guys aren't around very often. There's not a lot of offenses that want them. Um, so yeah. All right, who's the player you like most in San Francisco? I guess I've been talked into it a little bit, but I, I'm going to say Garcon. Um, I agree. I, I didn't talk much about Garcon. You handled most of that, but he's a guy that I loved when he was in Washington. I took a chance on him one year and um, helped me win a league. So the wide receiver one in Kyle Shanahan's offense has always been a thing. Um, whether it be Garcon when he was in Washington, Hopkins when he was in Houston, or Julio Jones, who necessarily didn't need Kyle Shanahan, but we've seen Julio's production really skyrocket in the last couple of years. Um, that definitely is a thing. The wide receiver one in a Kyle Shanahan offense is going to produce, and that's Pierre Garcon right now. So I think the targets are going to be there, and I find some safety in drafting Pierre Garcon. So he's definitely a guy I'm interested in from the 49ers. Who's the guy you like least in San Francisco? It's got to be Carlos Hyde, right? Yeah, absolutely. It stinks because I, I, I love Hyde's talent. I just don't know if this coaching staff believes in him and I don't know if it's a good fit for him. Maybe a guy that we revisit when he's a free agent if the, if he were to get cut or something and next year he finds himself on a new team with a new situation maybe a guy we get excited about um, saw, him, saw him pretty productive in Chip Kelly's offense but w remains to be seen how he's utilized with the new regime in San Francisco who's got the most breakout potential of this group I feel like I know who you're going to say I think you're going to say Aldrick Robinson. I am. This is another guy that came along with Shanahan right out of Atlanta. I think he's got, obviously has a role for him. Um, I think they need to have a role for him because the receiving core after Garcon is not very good. Um, so I think someone has to be the number two and I, I think it's going to be him. So of those guys, we have Jeremy Curley, Marquise Goodwin, Aldrick Robinson, and Bruce Ellington. 
You want to rank those four in terms of how much you like them? Um, Robinson, Curly, and then the other two are toss-up. See, Curly to me is the least, my least favorite. He was probably the most productive out of all the San Francisco receivers last year, but there's just nothing about his game that excites me. So, Goodwin has the deep play ability. Robinson as well, and Ellington, they they used the first-round pick on Bruce Ellington, so I'm just wondering when that, if that will ever materialize. I doubt it, but that that leads me to the intrigue with Ellington, I guess. My, my breakout guy here is Joe Williams. He's a guy I'm probably going to target late in drafts, even if I don't go for Carlos Hyde. Um, I, could, I could see him being productive. Finally, who's the fantasy MVP in San Francisco? Garcon. Yep, I think that's clear. Getting him in round 6-7. Kind of like Larry Fitzgerald, the ceiling isn't necessarily the roof, for example. But uh, <laughs> um, I think there's some safety in, in grabbing him in those, those mid-rounds when, like I've mentioned before, that's when I'm looking to add to my wide receiver depth. And I think... Uh, Garcon gives you that same safety that Fitz does in those mid-tier rounds. So I did a little advanced McDonald recon because I haven't looked up some news and just to see how the team's feeling about him because he's not a guy we talk about often. And I stumbled upon an article that if this happens, is very intriguing. The article is titled, The 49ers Need to Trade tight end Vance McDonald to the blank it's not titled the blank I want you to fill in the blank where's Vance McDonald go that becomes very intriguing well a team that's in a dire need for a tight end a team that's used the tight end but certainly doesn't have one at the moment Um, Denver? Negative coach better. Hold on. Give me one. This is just riveting here. Um, While you think, the other thing I didn't know about Vance McDonald that appeared in this article was his astronomical drop rate. (laughs) How he blew every tight end out of the water. It dropped passes at 15.8% drop rate. Who doesn't have a tight end? Are you saying the Ravens? Yes, sir. Okay. I guess that depends how you feel about Ben Watson, but I would agree with you. Yeah, he's like 100, though. <laughs> he's he's old man, yeah. And I didn't know, apparently, the, the Ravens lost another tight end to a season-long suspension. Max Williams? No, I lost his name. There's a guy that I'm not familiar with. But, they, they have a million of them. Just none of them can play. Yeah, I mean, they lost Pitta. The injury probably not there forever. And now apparently they lost another guy to a season-long suspension. That, that would definitely be interesting. I mean, we know Flacco's going to throw it a ton. So, yeah, that would be interesting. I would I would consider him as a tight end, too, if, uh, if that were to happen. This is... Usually we see trades mid preseason. Sometimes I think I don't think we'd see anything yet. Am I right about that? I feel like they never really trade in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree. I guess Waller no... is his name. I can't find his first name. Darren Waller. Never heard of him. Leaked substance abuse policy gone for the year. I don't really think that it's because he's going to be the guy or anything I think if they're just trying they, they lost Pitta and now Waller so they're down to like Watson and I don't know what else they're just very thin could be a good spot for a guy like Vance I agree I agree it could be definitely could be interesting um, alright that's enough of our Vance McDonald deep dive on the NFC West that tells you how exciting the NFC West is um, but we got it out of the way, so I guess we'll continue on with the NFC 
maybe later this week, sometime this weekend, maybe we can get another one out from the NFC, try and get a little closer to wrapping up that conference. Um, anything else to add before we sign off here? I'm good. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. At Red Triangle 23 on Twitter, Red Triangle Sports Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks to Eddie Mitchum for joining me again tonight. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, Denver Desert Dog. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.